today. I'm chatting with Gaetano Ferrando. Gaetano is the current high performance manager for Williamstown Football Club in the Victorian Football League. Gaetano has worked in the TAC under 18 system with Western Jets. He worked with Box Hill in the VFL. He has also worked in football, in soccer, in the NPL League, which is equivalent to the VFL. Gaetano has a Masters in Exercise Science from Edith Cowan and is currently lecturing at Victoria University. Uh, does personal training and helps athletes like tennis. So he has a wide experience and a very relevant experience in terms of long-term athlete development and sub-elite football coming into elite football. Obviously, VFL is quite elite. The, the discussion today is about endurance in the context of Australian rules football. And generally speaking, we're, we're chatting about uh, long-term athlete development for young athletes. So let's get chatting. G'day, Gaetano. How are you? Yeah, good yourself. Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Worked in the Western Jets. You worked with Box Hill. You're now with Willie uh, Williamstown in the VFL. Obviously, you do some personal training. You're, you're an educator too. What, what, what are some of the things that you you found that have been interesting in terms of you know when people talk about endurance at, at this level that you're at now? When people talk about endurance, yeah, it's one of those things that um, endurance for every player is uh, different. It's not necessarily just based on how many metres they can cover in a minute or how many kilometres they can cover in a game. It's all about the repeat high-intensity effort, acceleration, deceleration, the abilities for an athlete to recover. Endurance is very, okay, that term is very broad. And, you know, there's many different examples on with what I've worked with where endurance is not the same for two athletes. Yeah, and, and so... And definitely, that's, a, that's an interesting point. That brings it up, and I'll, I'll cover that in a few minutes. Excellent. But but in terms of also working in the TAC system, what were some of the pressures on some of the young players? Because people just say, well, you've got to get fitter, son, or you've got to get fitter, young lady. What are some of the pressures that you yep. found? I think some of the pressures were, one, for the athlete to be a professional athlete, even while they're still going through school themselves. Mm-hmm. But two is, being able to perform on combine day. The draft combine, as you know, is, you know, the AFL draft combine is two days of testing. And, you know, there's eight, nine tests that run on combine, but apparently the two-kilometer time trial is the be-all end-all, according to some people. You know, the pressure of performing on game day were there, but I reckon there was always more talk about performing at the combine than there was talking about talk about performing on game day. Uh, that's a really interesting point. I think we'll, we'll, we'll explore that a bit further uh, because next week I want to do some yep. practical examples of how to get fitter, but th- th- this, this, this week is, is a bit of a broader view. So all the, all the players, and I'm assuming also with, with women's footy now, all the players in the TAC in March do the draft camp, don't they? They have their state draft or their TAC testing. Normally the long weekend, so that would be next weekend. Um, they would have the yeah, uh, state combine where they go through a yeah testing the beginning of the year, which is good for testing at the end of the year, see how they've improved, see if they stay the same, and really gives the uh, recruiters um, a first look on the physical capabilities of potential draftees. So that's a lot of players when you look at all the different age, uh, well, uh, clubs, and then, you know, you've got big lists that are doing yep. it, yeah, and then obviously women's footy be doing the same now, I think, with the girls. See, teams are going to test it under 16 level themselves anyway. They'll basically replicate yep. those tests. Okay, so there's a lot of pressure mounting already 
on some of these players and, and very interestingly you brought up the concept of players worrying more about their 2k than how they actually perform over four quarters in a game and or parents and or coaches yep. so, so you you worked in soccer slash football <laughs> always hard to define that and yep. uh, you're working a bit in tennis um what, what were the out of interest yep. you know were, were you under pressure to get players fitter in in the soccer uh, arena at the MPL level, which is a VFL level, um, rather than you know stronger, f- faster. Well, it's it's interesting here in Australia, and you know, talking to people who work in soccer around the world, they all have different experiences working in this world game. Um, in Melbourne, AFL is our predominant sport, and I think the MPL is and still a bit behind when it comes to exercise science. So I was hired without the resources. Don't get me wrong, there was good facility, but it was one of those things where they didn't want the exercise science, they didn't want MAS running, they just wanted to be, you know, flogged. <laughs> like, I don't want any of that, I don't want any of that fancy stuff, I want old school, just flog them. And that's the mentality I believe that sport still has here in Australia. I, slowly, slowly I see uh, improvement, but, you know, it's going to be a few more years till we see, I reckon, soccer be on the same level as AFL. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave that one for yeah. another discussion. That's pretty interesting because obviously yeah, I'm going to chat about small-sided games, which is obviously pretty big, and yep. the concept of getting fitter in, 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 in small-sided games, which obviously a lot of people push in soccer, is a big factor in footy. Okay, so, so GPS data yep. is, is pretty interesting in AFL because, as I said uh, with, with, with Jared Egan last week, the, the public gets hit with you know, their maximum speed, and then obviously they get hit with their distances. And uh, I was looking here at some distances, Richmond Football Club, distance kinks, single match records for 219, Ryan Garthwaite, 16.76 Ks, Brandon Ellis, 16.44 Ks. I mean, I actually helped Brandon a little bit when he was young, and he's an interesting lad who was yep. doing 42 kilo dumbbell bench presses at 18 or 17, and, and you'd had a fantastic 3K at the time. So, you know, obviously yep. we'll talk about that, a big tank. Yeah, so, okay, so they get hit with distance, but distance is not really a very good indicator of, you know, football-specific endurance. Is I what, believe, you know, multiple factors. Looking at the SPT GPS site, and they... They they look at hard running. That's their term, which is which is a nice term for the general public. Is a velocity of four point five yep. meters per second or greater, right? Now yep. you work a fair bit in kilometers per hour, but we can we can interchange that pretty quickly. What's um what, what VFL level? What what indicators do they yep. use for for high speed running or hard running? There's a lot of ways to term that. Well, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I've been lucky enough to work uh, across a couple of. VFL clubs, one club was AFL line, one club is standalone. Yep. Um, and there's no universal, um, no universal figure. Yep. Uh, one club, their hard running, you could call it, was anything above 5.25 metres per second, where another club, their hard running is plus six. The hard running is determined by, they were, yeah, measures, not measures, numbers put in place before I came to the club. Um, and obviously data has been collected using those parameters. So yeah. we really haven't changed it. So, so yes, but that gives a little bit of an indication for the general public on 
how clubs really you view the ability of players to run hard, for want of a better word, or high speed running. Yeah. I'm looking here, seven meters, seven meter, seven minutes thirty for a two k is four point four meters per second, and yeah. six meters thirty is five point one. So we can see the two, quite a big difference in the, you know in how you're running there. And, and, and the player yep. pool. But that's the SBT obviously is a, is, a, is a general metric they've used just to pinch hit for the general public and kids where we're looking yep. at uh, that aspect. So so that sort of squashes up. But look, I don't, we don't really want to discuss GPS too much here, but that sort of squashes yep. the theory of people going, oh, my God, you know, he ran 20 kilometres in a match because he could have just jogged in, in circles around in corners, you know, it's a fairly irrelevant stat to some to some extent. Yeah, rugby data high speed running threshold was set at five meters per second, which is sixty percent of the individual's maximum velocity. So, uh, yeah, every, as you say, everybody's got a different interpretation of what high speed running or hard running, but it is definitely a metric. I, I've actually heard some clubs. I, 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 I'm assuming you don't do it at VFL. I've heard some AFL clubs are starting to monitor repeat speed efforts now and and we'll we'll touch on the physiology of that repeat speed efforts being a certain velocity or distance in a certain time sorry an acceleration or velocity in a certain time 20 seconds apart two to three efforts i know that um there is retrospective retrospectively club i've worked for has looked at that data just for was based off wellness of player portal quite uh, sore post-training and post-match. So re- retrospectively, we looked at that data yep. of uh, repeat efforts and speed efforts. Uh, but that was, yeah, only a couple of times. It's very, very rare at the VFL level to use that um, parameter. Yeah, so certainly at AFL, it's, it's a high acceleration or a high-speed effort. It's about 20 seconds recovery between efforts. It's multiple efforts. But I suppose the big thing there, which... The general public, and we'll just do a little bit of a physiology lesson here, the general public don't understand yep. is that you might do three short, high-intensity efforts, and then you mightn't do any for a couple of minutes. But the aerobic system is what helps you recover in between those efforts. So your endurance capacity is important for that. I reckon that's the best way to explain it yep. uh, to the general public without going too far into uh, the physiology in detail. Yeah. Uh, when, when I have athletes just yeah. Athletes have discussions, or even students have discussions. That's probably the way I would. That's a difficult thing to understand. That basically, if you're aerobically fit and you're just standing around, if there's a, a lull in play uh, after repeat high intensity efforts, or so say two or three of them, you'll recover better. You do need your players at, at some to have you know a reasonable endurance capacity to be able to recover in between hard efforts. So we've ascertained that pure distance is not the key factor in the context of playing football and the ability to run hard, repeat effort and recover in between efforts is is an important factor in endurance and and the GPS data is in effect a fitness test these days for AFL club, isn't it? I I would think some clubs don't even do many fitness tests anymore when they get to AFL. Like you might get your uh, sub-maximal testing in season with a couple of heart rate monitors, but there would not be many many tests completed uh, so yeah gps data is very crucial to see any dips in performance may uh, be linear with you know, any injuries or you know they just use they, each club have their own theories i guess like some cool theories some 
you know, ways to interpret GPS data. But, yeah, in theory, that is how they uh, use test GPS data. If the high-speed running, the, 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 the metres covered in the high-speed running zones is dropping off, and obviously the yep. repeat speed uh, efforts are dropping off, then they possibly could indicate they need to do some extra work in season or pre-season as against just running a fitness test. Or it could even indicate to us that there might be a, a underlying injury or a, a, a niggling injury which the athlete may not uh, want to uh, let us know about. Yep. So yeah, it's pretty handy. Okay. Standing at athlete's GPS data. These lads are entering this state TAC draft camp, a lot of the under 16, yep. both genders have had their camps and, or you know, at the clubs, respective clubs. Now they're, they're entering a, a major March camp and obviously at the end of the year, the, the elite players in the under 18 system get tested. Can you just explain the 2K test and the Yo-Yo 2 test versus the Yo-Yo 1 and the Beep test? Because people, I don't think, really know what the Yo-Yo test is, to be honest. Recently, the Unbiased has been using the B-test and there was always debate about whether to change that or not. So, you know, with the AFL, AFL Victoria, they were thinking, you know, we have all this data from combine testing with the B-test, why don't we, um, you know, why, why do we have to change it? But to keep in mind, AFL, they eventually changed it. So the easiest way to explain it, the way I like to explain it, is the B-test is a continuous test where the athlete must time their run to hit the line on the beat and go again. So, yeah, it's a good aerobic uh, test where the intermittent uh, test, so the yo-yo test, is pretty much what they say is more relevant to sport because you'll have a up-and-down effort over 20 metres each way, and then you have a five-metre walk to recover and then go again, which they believe that intermittent running is a bit more relevant to um, all sports such as AFL. If I remember correctly, the yo-yo was designed for by FIFA as a soccer test. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then you have the two the two yo-yo tests, the IR one, the IR two. The IR two is much faster and it's completed in less time. Pretty much starting at a very high speed from the get-go, so yeah, it pretty much tended the player pick up from the first beat. Where the IR one is a bit more gradual. Uh, bit longer. Yeah, so the the Yo-Yo 2 is probably a bit more anaerobic because it's over quickly, It's the levels go faster, aren't they? And then I suppose some of the research has yep. indicated that it may relate to the game. So yep. you've you basically got the continuum, as you said, beep test is pure, is getting close yep. to aerobic Yo-Yo and Yo-Yo 2. Very quickly, actually, if I can just tell a really quick story about Jimmy Bartel. He was deemed, un, he was deemed unfit in 2004 and um, the coaches were flogging him out on the track. And Chris Dennison and myself at the time um, ran some fitness tests on him and uh, we did some power tests and change of direction tests. And we found he was really down on power, uh, the ability to change direction. Okay, so we found that uh, Jimmy lacked power, in essence, lacked the ability to change direction. Had about a 58 max VO2, ran a reasonable 3K. Yep. We improved his leg power and uh, he improved his beep yep. test dramatically so the limiting factor sometimes is the ability to change direction in some of those tests <clears throat> and uh it's called the About queen right. mary effect so so yeah you need to even be a little bit careful uh how you interpret tests 
miss something, uh, which is probably an advantage in doing a 2K test too. Some of the AFL clubs do 3K. I, I used yeah. to purely because I just wanted to see who could run 3Ks. Actually, let's chat, let's chat quickly about results. At, at the TAC level, what, what's deemed yep. a good result? What's deemed a poor result? When I was at TAC Cup, uh, there was, there was a, it ranged in the, um, in the 2K testing. A, a lot of the athletes I worked with who uh, completed 2K at Combine were anywhere between six low sixes to mid to high sevens. So they were, that was the range, and that's considered acceptable. Um, there's been athletes I've worked with who've got drafted quite highly who've actually ran the 2K up in a very slow time, which I think was uh, above eight metres, uh, sorry, eight minutes. But that is just a very, very rare circumstance regarding that athlete. But most of them anywhere between that six to seven and a half. My experience in, with some parents and some local coaches was that the 2K simply became the be all and end all, you know, 15, 16, yep. 17. So if a lad was seemed on the edge skill wise and he was running, say, 250, uh, sorry, 750, uh, quite often there was an enormous pressure and the discussion always centered yep. around improving his or her, if it was a female's uh, 2K, 2K result, because yep. the, the perception was that it was a make or break test. Have you, have you found that? I, I found it was an enormous pressure on young young players. Yeah, I feel like there's a massive pressure on the player to get right for the 2 k Like, from experience, we would actually run through tests with the athlete to make sure they're very familiar with the test. And as you know, by being familiar with the test, could, you know, save a couple of milliseconds off. But in, in the end of the day, when you're competing against so many athletes for positions, limited positions in a special sporting league, you know, those milliseconds could mean a big difference. So we've, you know, the the vertical jump, you know, the 20 meter sprint, the agility, AFL agility test, we would actually dedicate time, especially post-season, to work directly with the athlete to get them familiar with the test to help find any way they can shave a point one of a second off their time without actually improving their physical capabilities. But you know, with the two-kilometer time trial, that's not as easy. Because one, there was more stress on it. Two, the time we had to prepare athletes for that uh, test was limited. But again, you know, like you said, there's for some reason that people believe that's the be all and end all, but it, it actually isn't. Yeah, because but obviously, if somebody runs five fifty nine or six six oh five and and actually can play and gathers a million possessions. Um, I assume a Scully type player. Then, then obviously that's yep. a standout. But yep. if somebody does seven fifteen, plays well, racks up the possession, and everybody's putting pressure on that lad to run six thirty, that might be work that could be spent or energy spent elsewhere. It, it, I, 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 I found a few of the boys that that's all they were thinking of, and I, th- I felt that they were really only going to get selected through putting in a dazzling quarter of footy, really, on the ground. It's important to, have to build the aerobic base in the engine, but the overemphasis yep. can be extremely stressful. Example. Yeah, I can. A few years ago, working with a uh, specific athlete, and, you know, their on-field performance was outstanding. Look at their stats. They, they're racking up the possessions. They're kicking the goals. They're getting the possessions. But then you look at the GPS numbers, 
And as a midfielder, he's doing four or five kilometers less than your next midfielder. And you're like, how? Like, how is this person getting that many possessions and running that little? But then you look at his repeat efforts, his high-intensity efforts, and they were stuck. You know, he was a smart player who was a uh, great reason to play, who was very powerful and was able to find the football at the bottom of the pack and just crash through pack. I was lucky he had that because then if he was to just go purely based off his um, engine or the tank, as they like to call it, he didn't have one of those. Yeah, he ran a very slow two-corner time trial and if he was any other player, he wouldn't get drafted. Well, that's right. Look, there's no doubt that there can be a tipping point at that level, be it selection in from the into the under 16 system you know if, if a lad dawdles around a 2k uh, and he's, the coaches have got four players of similar ability well that might be the tipping point or vice versa it could be a speed test and, and obviously in general you you do want to have a reasonable capacity that's worked on from when you're young but i think as we discussed last week it should never be a Whenever you work on any specific attribute, it shouldn't be too much at the expense of another attribute because of the multifaceted fitness le- uh, level of footy. Uh, MAS training and two Ks. H- how do you use that for yeah. you know? Or not everybody, but some people use the results to then prescribe endurance training. That's that's probably the only reason I like to do a two K. Well, that's the only reason I'm allowed. 2K at the moment, oh, um, right. as the club I work with, uh, the coach isn't really a fan of uh, testing, um, so I get the boys to run a 2K just purely for MAS prescription. Yep. Um, and yeah, so MAS I'm being a fan of MAS, so maximal aerobic speed. Uh, maximal aerobic speed or MAS is uh, the lowest running speed at which maximum oxygen uptake occurs. Typically referred to as velocity at VO2 max. So pretty much a good way to run at more than 100% of your speed over a 2K time trial, uh, but in shorter efforts. Get 2,000 metres and you divide it by the time. Get the time, work out the kilometres per hour, and then obviously work out the metres per second from there. Okay, and then could you just develop routines off the back of that. So, So it's not only some of the tests used just to look at who's the fittest person but you can actually uh, prescribe exercise and it's interesting when I did the the podcast with Paul Backash from West Preston who won a couple of premierships in the local league and he just didn't have time to yep. test so he just did a run around the park which had been done for years so yep. they used that to compare in terms of the ability to get the ball in terms of sometimes uh, young players that have massive tanks or and we'll discuss what the tank means later can rack up the possessions yep. in in local competitions or junior competitions versus the ability to be efficient can you want to just chat a little bit about that because it is it is difficult to put then into a game they talk about game speed what about game endurance <laughs> it's not necessarily um the ability to to keep running all game because name uh all sport especially that you keep running all game it's the ability to uh repeat your Effort, it's your ability to repeat your performance. Um, you know, could be 20, 30 times per quarter in AFL. The ability to recover and perform at that same intensity um, time after time after time after time again. So that's to me what you know, match endurance is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think that just like we were saying, well, we were mentioned last week that. 
every team needs one or two players that have prodigious running endurance abilities, but obviously, generally speaking, they're not explosive. And so if you have too many of them, you're in trouble. You need some, but it's actually... Uh, they have to be elite in that area, and they may keep running all day. The famous McLeod player from the Adelaide Crow, his efficiency yep. at versus his, his, the mileage he covered or the, the kilometres he covered versus the effic- um, effective disposals he got was completely different to other yep. players. So he was an effective runner. He read the play. He knew where to run. So it's, 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 it's a lot of factors to be considered from speed to acceleration to the hour to read the play to how fit you are to recover in efforts. So moving on to the tank, you know, we hear, we hear a lot on television, he's got a good tank. So Scully would have a good tank. Yep. Brandon Ellis, I think, yep. who I mentioned from Richmond, who's with Gold Coast now. So I mean, he was, he was a big lad, actually. He was pumping the iron at 17, but he had a, a, a fantastic yep. uh, 3K at the time. So because he's a big boy, you know, he's got a big tank. Cameron Ling had a big tank. Generally speaking, I, I used to test players once or twice in their career in the laboratory for maximum oxygen uptake, purely because I just wanted to get an indication. I didn't do it every year. Uh, and certainly from uh, a maximum oxygen uptake perspective or a tank perspective, that gave me a bit of information relative to their size, their running ability, their speed. But did you, do you want to explain what tank slash max VO2 actually is in in sort of somewhat layman's terms the tank is something that it's very loosely thrown around in afl but yeah if you say someone oh vo2 max that's probably something different so obviously the vo2 max is your body's ability to consume oxygen at a maximal uptake uh based on milliliters per kilogram based on your body weight yeah um, so, obviously, your body doesn't just uh, breathe in oxygen, it absorbs oxygen, uh, the blood cells absorb oxygen, so yeah, your body to, your body's ability to intake as much oxygen as possible, uh, litres of oxygen, and uh, yeah, use that to efficiently work. Certainly, you know, Cameron Ling had the ability to... Uh pull in 70 milliliters of oxygen per kilo of body weight per minute of exercise. He was 90 yep. plus kilos. Yep. So obviously yep. not, uh, Obviously, he's got a big tank, whereas some yep. of the smaller players who are quick, they, they actually had like 55 mils per kilogram per minute. Uh, so therefore, you had to be a little yep. careful of putting too much weight on them because that would affect their endurance. So you made a bit of a call based yep. on their tank and... Uh, yeah, so so it is. It, the tank is actually something. If you want to measure it, you can measure it. Or like yep. Andrew Russell just does a two point five k test, or does a run around Princess Park, and he knows he's got a big tank if, if the guy's a fairly solid guy and, and runs well. So it, it is a bit of a loose term that we yep. hear a lot, but um, it's something you can develop as as a kid. And I think what what the the, the, the big thrust of last week and this week is. Definitely develop your tank, yep. but not at the expense of your speed yep. or your power because that, that will uh, hurt you in the long run. You worked in soccer, and small-sided games, in theory, are supposed to be used a lot in soccer. <laughs> Apparently not in your case. Yep. Um, no. Just explain a little bit about, uh, we were chatting last night about you know a player who uh, had a very poor, the, the, one of the problems with small-sided games, had, had a very poor 
endurance team. That was a very good player, and and the issues that that can yep. occur in trying to get players fit just with small sided games when a player is a really yep. good player. I'm in our Everest team now because with obviously match conditioning, um, match day loads. Obviously, uh, we try to expose a player to those loads prior to reaching the season to help minimise any chance of injury uh, and to help, you know, increase their tank or their endurance, how all the terms that we've been throwing around today. Um, but, you know, you get your experienced player, or you get your smart players who just know how to read the play. And uh, so I, I reckon with a small side of game, it's just they actually don't get out. The, the, they don't take the fitness benefits away from from small side of games because there's just that great arena play. They know how to run the lines and they know how to cut the angles. And while whilst everyone else is covering one kilometer with you know, as we refer to red zone with you know hundred meter red zone running, you know, these players might come out with twenty touches of the pill and like yeah, oh yeah, they were very prominent in the drill. But they've only covered four to five hundred meters, and we saw that recently in a training session we've done. We were trying to reach uh, game loads, and these athletes in one group. Uh, we had, I think, in that same group, we had several experienced state players um, and three former AFL players, and they were just so smart in their running that their GPS data was coming back, and they were doing literally a third of what everyone else done. Athlete who was very, very um, good at reading the play as a junior, uh, that was his downfall because he's so good at reading the play at training, so good at reading the play on game day, but then when it again, again comes to testing time, his cardiovascular endurance was quite terrible because he was just, he, he was a victim of his own football brain. Uh-huh. And we were never allowed, we were never allowed the time to you know, do the top-up conditioning. Uh, go do our training session and there would be no time at the end to top up in, in case there was an athlete like um, this player who was just so smart and he was doing half the work of everyone else but still being as influential as he was. So yeah, I reckon he was a victim of his own intelligence. Where the good thing now is at the um, VFL level, we got live GPS so we could see the GPS data you know, and do any top-up conditioning as so, so there are some issues with small-sided games. Obviously, a really good player, as you mentioned, can read the play really well and have to run as well, yep. which is which is a good thing because they conserve energy. Yep. Um, but obviously, yep. then they may not get the fitness benefit, which might be an issue if you're not doing top. Well, to use the term loosely, top-up running or specific running um, for players. Yep. The opposite, I suppose can occur, and I, I, this has been my experience, is that some players are prodigious runners, and if in a group training yep. mentality, they may actually not be the best footballers. So yep. They may have to actually do more specific drills and running uh, because yep. it's not much use running five minutes for a 2K if you can't get the ball or read the play. So it is quite a balance Correct. on how you decide... Yep what to prescribe a player through their development. I think it's just about talking about finding what a player needs and not to overdo any one attribute for footy. Obviously, they have to be able to run. It's critical, yep. right? So they have to be able to run. So obviously, if a yep. kid runs 
can't run out of game. They have to be yep. able to run. They have to be. There is a minimum threshold they have to do. So, Gaetano, do you want to give a bit of advice to parents, 14, 15, 16-year-olds, who may not have yep. the best running ability in terms of endurance or their testing's been poor or they actually don't yep. play out of game? Um, what, 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 what advice would you give a parent or a coach, a local coach? Yeah, again, going back to what I said earlier, every athlete is different. But it's all about dedicating the time to develop these uh, physical capabilities. Um, coincidentally, if you look at the um, long-term athlete development, uh, around that uh, 14, 15, 16 mark, you know, it states that time should be dedicated to develop uh, athletes' aerobic base. Time should be dedicated to develop speed and sport-specific skills. But you got to think not everyone goes through the stages of growth, the stages of change or puberty at the same rate. So, you know, if someone cannot run out of the game at the age of 15, it's all about focusing on developing that base, um, you know, as as they develop and mature um, physically. You know, we hope that that has an effect as well, but, you know, we can be patient and... Yeah, develop the correct capabilities when needed. Obviously, some some athletes you come across are freaks to say it nicely, and they're able to squat 150 kilos at a younger age or run 2Ks in five minutes at a young age. You know, we can't neglect one one capability. We always got to keep that in mind that to maintain their strength, but also help develop. Other, other aspects, understand time, especially in junior athletes, is quite limited. Uh, working in a sporting organisation such as the Western Jets, we didn't have one of the best facilities, nor did we have the time to spend with athletes. We were very time poor, the best way to explain it. So we were expecting athletes to complete their own sessions at home, to complete any extra running at home. Um, you know, so there, there, there might be parents say, oh, but my my son can't do this because he doesn't have time or we don't have the funds to be able to hire a coach, which is understandable. One of those things, then the players' parents can't complain about their son or daughter not having the best opportunity to grow to the athlete they can be. I've been lucky with uh, Williamstown that the coach actually understands the physical performance side of things um, and at a junior level, I reckon that's important for a coach to understand the physical development side of things because if a coach understands that, one, they're able to allow a strength conditioning coach more time to have the athlete in the gym, have the athlete on the track to do more running, to do more sprinting technique. Um, the coach may be able to implement that within drills to make our job would be easier and less factors to worry about when we have that athlete for potentially 20 minutes a week. Yeah, and I think that um, one of the points you made there was, you know, the strengths and weaknesses. And, and I think what's really important with young players, obviously the parents and coach players will have a weakness, but the, the tendency, and especially with endurance, is that then the focus becomes totally on the weakness, which does need improving, obviously, if it's well out, if it's impacting yep. the game or if the test is poor, one or the yep. other. 
but but obviously um, if you then work spend all your time on your weakness which probably has less of a chance of becoming elite and neglect your strength yep. or other strengths or needs then then that can become a problem so it's it's quite a multifaceted decision or approach that needs to be taken okay mate thanks a lot for what? that good luck with the rest of the season with Williamstown thank you very much Lars. thank you the ability to run in Australian rules football is obviously the critical factor and the ability to move effectively and run effectively for four quarters at varying speeds and accelerations, decelerations is obviously pivotal in the game. In terms of development, we did not discuss the multilateral development situation and, and, and one would hope that young athletes are playing a variety of sports, develop endurance without actually doing formal training, and that, that's a podcast for another discussion. Certainly it is important once they are playing in the TAC system at least, and we, we can say that's under 15, that they optimally develop the ability to run uh, from every aspect, from endurance to uh, maximal speed. And the blend has to be correct and, and the development has to be achieved, not at the expense of other attributes. So thanks to Gaetano for today's discussion. Hopefully it provides some food for thought on the optimal development of, to be honest, running ability in general, not just endurance, because it has to be really meshed together.